Our sermon text for consideration this morning comes from Romans chapter 8, as Pastor mentioned earlier. We'll read the first ten verses. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It it does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. This is the Word of our God. We pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's another game of pretend Nerf football. The little boy, he's throwing the Nerf football and diving on the couch, making the spectacular touchdown grab. The imagined crowd noise is rumbling in his mind. Oh, he's having a blast. You can see it on his face, that smile as he's juking around the furniture and spiking the ball into the turf of the living room shag carpet. That is until it all goes wrong. One overthrown self-toss of that Nerf ball sends the lamp by the couch wobbling and then tumbling and smashed on the floor. His joy dissolves. Gone. Just like that. Replaced by a demeanor crumpled, dejected, shocked. It it wasn't supposed to happen this way. He, He knew he wasn't supposed to be doing this, but he didn't think it would actually lead to this. And then the tears begin their uninvited flood. And then the daunting thought crosses his mind. What impending doom is coming? when dad finds out. And he already has. The approaching footsteps send chills down his spine. It's his fault. And he knows it. He's going to have to face the punishment. His dad rounds the corner to meet his son's gloomy figure. He can't even look at his dad. So ashamed at what he'd done. Son, it's okay. There's no need to cry. There's no punishment. What? Well, how could this be? I did the thing I wasn't supposed to do. I, I thought punishment was coming. 
See how his demeanor has changed like that again, replaced by joy, shock, and awe. His face still stained with tears lines now meets his father. And he runs to him, embraces him, buries those last tears into his clothes. He is free. So unexpectedly free from punishment. Do you ever feel like that little boy right after the lamp smashed? What mess has your sin or have your mistakes landed you in that leave you feeling ashamed, guilty, unable to hide what you've done? And maybe it's tear-stained eyes that hide a mind wondering what God thinks. And oftentimes it's those things we know we shouldn't have been doing, that God tells us we shouldn't do for our own good, and yet we do it anyway. And we look at what we've done, and maybe you think, I I don't understand what I do, because what I want to do, I don't do, but the evil I don't want to do, I do. No, what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. Well, if you've ever thought like that, then you've thought like the Apostle Paul, who wrote those very words I just said in the chapter before our reading for this morning. When he looked at the mess of his sin and his struggle between sin and what God wants, he came to a conclusion we can all too well relate with. He said, what a wretched man that I am. But it was right there in the middle of that struggle between sin and what God wants, in the middle of tears and wondering what he thought, just like that little boy as he waited for that punishment, just as that son we heard about in Jesus' parable, coming home expecting to be made a slave, a servant, it's right there in the middle of struggle that Romans 8 breaks in like the dawn. Therefore, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Free from punishment. Not condemned. You can have the same confidence as Paul amid struggle, tears, and wondering that you are rescued. That there is no condemnation. You are undoubtedly His own. The Holy Spirit has worked faith in you as you've heard his word as you've been baptized as you're assured of forgiveness in God's in the Lord's Supper and this shocks us because just two chapters earlier in Romans we heard that the wages of sin is death but the gift the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord and now Romans 8 tells us that because through Christ Jesus The law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law that's like a controlling power of sin and the controlling power of death. This turns our grief to joy, our shame to honor, our guilt to comfort. But you might think, I still struggle. I still feel the intense pull of this law of sin, this controlling power of sin, and often I give in. I know. 
I'm right there with you. So often we could say with the psalmist who wrote, if you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But that's just it. We couldn't stand. Not us, not King David, not the Apostle Paul. But the reality is, this verse goes on to say, but with Him there is forgiveness. The reality is there is no record. As David said in Psalm 32, he said, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him. No record. No condemnation. But how? God knew we couldn't keep the law on our own. It is powerless in earning salvation for us because we are weak, unable to keep God's commands. But God had an astounding solution. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. God did. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. We couldn't do it ourselves. We had to look outside of ourselves. So we look and we look to Jesus. But jump even well before the cross, 33 years earlier to be exact. Galatians 4 tells us that when the, time had, the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. And He lived 33 years under that law. For you. Even as a young boy, he lived perfectly. Going to the temple, learning and teaching. Even later, when he was in the wilderness starving, as he fasted for 40 days, he beat and won against the devil's temptations again and again. He did perfectly what you and I never could. The will of God. Always and every time. And that's why Jesus Himself reminds us in Matthew 5.17, Do not think I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And fulfill them He did. He lived a perfect life in your place. He is our perfect substitute. So then when we look at the cross, we think, how could it be? The perfect God-man who always did God's will perfectly, dying on a tree? Well, it was because of that same loving will of God that He wants all people to be saved, that He wants you to be saved. You see, Jesus didn't just fulfill the law, but the prophets. Prophecy like Isaiah's who wrote, but He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. Our perfect and ultimate sin offering, Jesus Christ, our Savior. He not only kept the law perfectly in our place, but He even fulfilled its punishment that we deserved. Death. And so... He condemned sin in the flesh. That's Jesus' flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. We get the credit. 
We get to stand before God the Father and he only sees Jesus' perfection. It's like standing before a father with someone else's perfect report card. That's what we get to do before our Father in heaven on Jesus' perfect record. And since you are set free from punishment then, you are changed. Now you are set free to live for God with your life. Now you It's met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That little boy in the aftermath of his lamp disaster was ashamed. He couldn't even look at his father, remember, through those tears. But see how much his father's unexpected announcement of forgiveness completely changed that boy. He again is able to look at his dad. He he ran to him and embraced him. And think about how he'd be happy to pick up the pieces with his dad in the aftermath as he reflected that love. You too have been freed from the expected punishment. So unexpectedly freed. And that changes you. That makes you joyful and excited to go and live for God with your new life. That God has freed you and given you. So what's that new life all about? Well, Verse 5 tells us that it's all about a new mindset. It says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit, and that's you, have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Since Christ has freed you from condemnation, you now have this wonderful new mindset His Spirit has given you that embraces godly use of that freedom He gives you. Now you run to your heavenly Father like that little boy. You come to church on Sunday and hear and be filled with His Word. You seek opportunities to continue to grow, to know Him better through personal devotion, through sharing and praying, sharing His Word and praying with your families. That's all part of that new mindset that God has worked in you. The Spirit of God gives us a love for God and what He commands. Reflecting His love to us, we love Him above all things and love our neighbor as ourselves, as He tells us. Yet, just as Paul is giving us this wonderful result of being freed by Christ, he reminds us we aren't talking about a tranquil morning walk in the park here. This is a real struggle. And there's a real battle going on within us. Our sinful nature, the little unbeliever, our flesh as this text calls it, the little unbeliever in all of us desperately wants to do anything but the will of God. And verse 6 tells us of where that leads. It says the mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And so Paul goes on with this back and forth like he did a chapter ago and now he does here. Us without God, we're hostile to him. We're unable to submit to his law, unable to keep it. We're unable to please God. But that's not you. Says you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh but are in the realm of the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And he does. Indeed. 
Paul isn't wording it like this to put it in doubt, but rather assuring you that because this is true, because you've received the Word of God which is powerful and effective and has worked faith in you, because you're baptized, because you're assured of forgiveness in the Lord's Supper, the Spirit of God does dwell in you. And yes, it's true. We won't always be pleased on how we use the freedom that God has given us and won for us on the cross. Failure and regret do come. And it hurts. But that's a time when it's important to remember that that struggle we talked about from Romans 7, the back and forth struggle that Paul talks about here, he's describing the life of a Christian. He's even describing his own struggle as Christ's apostle. But a Christian's reality is this. Since you are in Christ, when God the Father looks at you, He sees Christ Himself in whom He is well pleased. And even better than that, He gives you His Spirit who gives you real power as we see in verse 10. If Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. This new life courses through you, empowering you, strengthening you, freeing you to live for God with gratitude and joy. That little boy, as he was forgiven by his dad, has a whole new mindset, right? In the aftermath of that, maybe he's going to be more happy to do his chores around the house for a little bit. But parents, as you of course well know, that doesn't last very long, does it? How amazing then that we have something far better than just gratitude, as wonderful as that is. But we have real power and life from the Spirit to go and live our lives as but a humble thank you note that Christ has freed us. And we get to live that thank you note in all of the unique ways that God has given us to live it as a parent, as a child, as a worker, an employee, an employer, or whatever it might be. And sure, that thank you note, it's crumpled, it's torn, and the handwriting is often messy. But Christ frees us to write it. And just as Dad would love that little thank you note from his son or maybe that little drawing that looks something like this but maybe a little more ugly than that, right? More stick people and, and uh, maybe, well, we wouldn't call it that but he loves that and is pleased by it. So God, our Heavenly Father, is pleased by our thank you note. God, our Heavenly Father, is pleased with you. So friends, let's write. Because we sure do have something to thank Christ for. He's freed us from death. And he's freed us to go and live for him. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the true faith until life everlasting. Amen.